おはよう。Good morning!Morning! Morning. Oh, I have so many things that I <laughs> talk to you about!Yay!Well, <gasps> it is Happy Lunar New Year! Happy Lunar New Year! Which really didn't come into like my awareness until、um, I moved to the US.、Mm. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, because we both of us grew up in Japan,、mm. you know, New Year's for us was Omisoka, like, you know, December 31st. And、um, because, yeah, we live there and things close. Everything closes for, I guess, like three days、hmm. um, in January, like first, second, and third. So, if you grew up with that in you know, the first 18 years of your life, then that becomes the norm. Yeah. And I remember going off to college、um, that first year, it wasn't. I guess the such the stark contrast of what New Year's celebration was and is in the US.、Mm. And then because I was like involved in like the international students and what have you in school, it was like, oh, wait, <laughs> that's where I learned that Lunar New Year exists. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so... How about you? Yeah, I don't. I mean, you at least were <laughs> learned about it when you moved here. I mean, I think it's still for me not, you know, personal or I know of Lunar New Year, and but it doesn't, I don't celebrate it personally.、Um, and I'm not 100% certain where Korea falls, where which they celebrate. Yeah,、no. uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you raised that because it, I, <laughs> I, I thought it was,、um, yeah, I thought it was,、uh, you know, January 1st.、Mm. But I don't know. I think I was watching some other things.、Um, maybe like this generation on social media, like, you know, Korean Americans, it seems like they go both ways. I think because they identify as like, Being a strong part of the AAPI community,、mm. that it seems like Lunar New Year. <laughs> I see it both ways, I guess.、Isn't、yeah. So it, I guess it depends where you're generationally, although I guess for Japanese,、um, it, even if you've immigrated here, it seems like it's January 1st.、Mm. <laughs> But I think I, I'm. I'm there with you. It's not like I celebrate、um, uh, Lunar New Year.、Mm. Then that, I guess we made it aware. Like my former, former, former boss was Chinese.、Mm. And so there was a little affinity to the celebration. And、mm. she was from China.、Um, and I, I guess, you know, Considering that I love food,、mm. I think I and and like there's like it's in Chinese culture, there's like sharing, 
um, of like, I guess it's kind of like osechi in the sense that um, different kinds of foods are symbolic. Mm. And so I think there are foods that um, symbolize certain, you know, um, common themes like prosperity and good fortune and what have you. And then, and then there's like the giving of the red envelope. Yes, which um, I was just thinking about that, that my former colleague um, used to do that for Lunar New Year. I don't think she did it for every staff member, but maybe her closest colleagues. I received a red envelope, too. So yeah, reminded me of that. Yeah. And in Japan, we have the otoshidama. Yes. Which really, I think, is which is the same concept of the cash um, in the envelope, and usually it's given by elder elderly people to the I guess next generation mm-hmm. or uh, generation, and um, but I think that stems from that Chinese culture. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, so happy lunar. It's and then it's also year of the tiger. <laughs> yes, and I think we're celebrating our twentieth episode. No. Yes. Really? I think so. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. 20th episode. I love that. Yeah. Hey, I'm still riding on a high from our episode from Saturday. Yes. So don't get me wrong. Um, that was such so amazing. Thank you. Yay. I was so excited when I thought of the surprise. I just, I'm sure you didn't, because we're nowness. I don't, I'm sure you didn't know where we were going to take the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know, you know, just like you and I do via text about like what's on your mind. I did a pulse check with Sahira, but um, she, of course, understood our, you know, the purpose and cultivation of nowness too. So she was uh, ready to jump in and go with the flow too, which I really appreciated. Thank you. It doesn't seem like it, but it was, I just did a quick check. It's the longest one that we recorded Mm. and published out there, launched. Mm. Um, We've had um, quite a few listeners already. So thank you so much. I wanted to shout out. I've been meaning to do this and um, shout out to our listener, Yoshimi who reached out to us too and have I have not had a chance to reply but wanted to give a shout out to Yoshimi our listener. Yay, thank you. Exactly. I thought I thought she was going to be the guest. Oh, uh, interesting. But <laughs> Yeah, but I I don't I guess I didn't I guess the comment that she had made that you had shared um to her website was that she appreciated um my mother's episode. Mm-hmm. And how we were you know, talking about our Saison culture or back in the day and yes. affinity to that. So that was fantastic. Um, well, I just think like, yeah, with our listeners, the ones who are super fans is, is like <laughs> natural progression to being a guest. And <laughs> mm. <laughs> hey, who knows? It's about knownness. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so... I guess like prior to, well, first of all, congrats on your daughter's 11th birthday. 
Yay. You had shared that, oh my gosh, in and out burger. Yes. <laughs> it was they were so excited. <gasps> I really love In N Out Burger. It's mm. good. It doesn't make my stomach queasy after eating it. Mm. Which usually like if it's like McDonald's, I'm sure you haven't had McDonald's in ages. Um well that is our go-to on road trips. And I mean, Mina is a fan and I have to remind myself like, oh, we used to go to McDonald's after school all the time in Japan too. So I'm like reminding myself what McDonald's food meant to me when I was younger versus now so that she gets to experience it, right? Enjoy it for what it is. So yeah, it has re-entered our diet or whatever um, since Mina is a enjoys sometimes you know chicken mcnuggets and things like that okay but... so that... <laughs> oh my my i just warped i just time warped my memory just time warped into our childhood and yes like M- mickey d's was <laughs> the hangout place mm. oh i still remember that like setting where there was like that lounge not lounge but it was like the secluded area i don't know why right yes in the back yeah we would hang out there all the time yes <laughs> laugh our butt off heck out of other customers i'm sure mm. but it was our that was like our playground it, yeah was a lot of oh my gosh can you imagine if we had recorded those conversations (laughs) (gasps) every (sighs) friend group like everybody went there Mm. we must have given them a lot of business we did for (laughs) sure (laughs) um but speaking of in and out though i have to know you know because we're with our lens of dei and you know our pulse on current uh, what's happening and I have to admit I have been really followed it but I know they have been and folks have been boycotting in and out um, <gasps> because of their stance on uh, proof of vaccination at their stores for in-person dining so I think at the height of it certain locations had to close because they weren't following because I think California mandated Especially San Francisco or that area. I don't know. Um, but anyway, just to note that. That I had mixed feelings about it, but um, it was her 11th birthday. And, you know, we can had to make an exception. But I also have to read up on it, too. <laughs> uh, no, I guess we're the, our listeners because we have an international <laughs> yes. group of listeners. Um in and out is kind of like, or, or for those who understand the Jap- Japan, U.S. kind of um, culture, food culture, it, it's it's kind of like, it's almost kind of like mosubaga. Do you remember mosubaga? Yes. So like, yes, I do. it was like a national franchise, it's a global franchise. And then, but mosubaga is like a Japanese burger chain. And it's like, they made it back in the day, right? 30, and which is like probably, of course, in and out's thing is like they made to order. Mm. and so it was fresher 
it's like yeah i think yeah they they still do right that's still made to order and their um meat uh the burgers are not frozen if i'm understanding mm. it correctly i think they're not frozen I may be wrong. <laughs> I actually think I, I watched that um documentary on the, the I guess the founding of McDonald's. Mm. Um, it's on it's on Netflix or what have you. It's pretty fascinating. I think that's kind of I'm not I, I forget if it was in and out, but it it goes way back and how you know one was about greed and then expansion and ultimately it's I think the founders sold the company. But then mm. they pivoted to another chain, um, which I think could be in and out mm. um, because they, they're like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to expand and, you know, decrease the quality of what we stand for. And so I, I think it's just really impressive that in and out continues to right? it's like California origin. And it's I know it's expanded into Vegas now, but it really remains within California. Mm. And now has become, yeah, an institution for those like travelers and visitors who are like, mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, but you know, yeah, wait, so like, is your, I'm just going back to the comment that you said about like current events. Mm. It, it sounds like, I mean, I'm just putting words in your mouth, but so you like, are you guilty for taking out from in and out because you don't know where they stand or what is it that you wanted to address? Oh, just that that's happening. And I didn't want our, for folks who are aware of that kind of um, paradox or I don't know what the word, right word is, but I just wanted to let our listeners know that I, I was aware of that, but we, it was intentional in yeah. saying yes for a special occasion and then note to self to read up on it and <laughs> re-examine <laughs> what, what, how I feel about it moving forward. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. If, if, so where does California stand now that the, it didn't pass the Supreme Court on businesses mandate? Of oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't really been following. Gotcha. Okay. I I just read something where um like T-Mobile headquarters, the US headquarters is right in our backyard. Mm. And I think like some news feed popped up that they're going to fire <laughs> I'm not, I shouldn't be laughing, but they're going to fire employees who aren't vaccinated. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, well, I, I, sorry, at, at least in the in the corporate office." Right. Not in the retail locations, I think, but but still. I see. Oh wow. Anyway, um, yeah. So, congrats, Mama. Thank you. It was a joyful day. Girls just having fun, lots of laughter, and yeah. Nice. I'm excited to say that my daughter came home. <laughs> you may not have known, but she was quarantined at her uh, boyfriend's house. I'm so grateful that we had that option because we had COVID. <laughs> oh, I see. That they share that? Yeah. So since I got it from preschool. Mm. Um, and then, and why is that? Because they're of the age group that 
um, can't be vaccinated. Although I, I hear recently that they may be pushing out the rollout for mm-hmm. you, those younger than five. Right. Um, so anyway, so she got it. And then James and I got it. Um, it, we think it's Omicron because we were double vaccinated and we had got at the same time that week, we had gotten our booster shots. Mm. Um, so it felt like just the kind of like common cold. Mm. Everything was just in um, in our head, sinuses and what have you. And um, so let it be. But we were quarantined and Mia was like, I'm not coming home. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> It, uh yeah what happened with Mia so yeah. to she had great here because there was finals she basically had finals and she didn't mm. want finals which I commend mm. and then um and I guess because like yeah because she and her boyfriend are close though like since they're like inseparable then we would be impacting another family right 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 and then um and then thirdly, yeah, she's in training. Like, she's winter season training um, for running. So, mm. third thing, like, I am not, she's like, I'm not, she, I mean, she kind of, like, racks, like, yesterday she ran eight miles. Like, it's it's pretty intense. Mm. So, um, so we were just blessed that, um, that boyfriend's parents were like, yeah, it's okay. She can stay at our place. Mm. Well, thank you. So, I had mm. two weeks. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, so she came home last night. Nice. And yeah, so that's all celebratory. I, I, I'm, I'm sharing this because the whole sentiment is that as you reflect upon being a mother, hmm. parent, how time flies so fast. And yeah, I, I remember snippets of years with my older kids. Hmm. But I, I don't know if I shared, but, like, you know, my husband and I, who's even, who's the stepfather of my older kids, was saying that it's just so fast. Like, it's not, it's not gradual where, you know, in your mind as a parent, okay, eventually, you know, then high school comes and then, you know, college comes or what have you. Mm. Um, so you, you know that there's a gradual setting there. Yeah. But. Yeah, when the time comes to say goodbye, yeah, that's abrupt, right? Mm. That's not a gra- gradual. Okay, <laughs> it's like okay, bye. Yeah. Um. So I think that's why there's so many, you know, older parents who have gone through the process where they share. Oh, I just dropped off my child or you know mm. and for us we didn't have that it was just like okay get on the plane bye <laughs> mm. I don't know like do you remember how you parted ways with your parents and especially your mom I don't for college but I do have specific um kind of montage images that flash through my mind when I think of partings or farewells at the airport but I don't remember I think those are later in my years in like 20s in LA uh, versus going off to college I don't have that specific memory I I presume I would have been so you know anxious and scared and and excited and all that 
I can't really recall how, what I felt, what my thoughts were um, going off to college. What about you? I think I was more excited positively versus being anxious, actually. Mm. Like, I was, like, so ready. Mm. In my mind, in my 18-year-old mind, I'm like, yes. Like, I guess I had felt stifled um, in Japan. And I knew that. I mean, my, my parents always raised me that you're American. You're an American citizen. You need to go back to free. Mm. Um but uh, and then on the other hand, as a girl and an adolescent teen, I just felt like I was on top of the world. And mm. how privileged! I mean, I it, I was privileged. I was privileged to not have to worry about um, financial aid, how I was going to pay for college. I wasn't the first generation of of, of my family to go to college. Mm. Um, and I was just like, so I felt like I was like so on top of the world, just carefree, and I get my freedom, and I get to meet new people because I, I guess I like meeting new people, mm. and so I was excited. Mm. But that that was the moment of yeah, getting on the plane and all that. But um, but you know, it's a different narrative of okay, so what happened once you got there? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> we've we've kind of like touched upon those stories mm. in previous episodes yeah i appreciate you noting that you're you weren't a first gen mm. uh college attendee and graduate because i think that was also coming up in our conversation with sahira that i didn't wasn't able to name it in the moment but that that's real that that first gen experience of high school and college is something that, um, like you say, if your parents attended and have that experience, it's a privilege that we don't often talk about, I think, especially in our international setting. I, at, I don't know how it is now, um, but certainly when we were growing up, there was a complete lack of sensitivity and acknowledgement and knowledge and how to um, help or support students like myself, right? Um, that just being there was, um, I don't, I don't think there was adequate support mm -hmm. for the, um, the difference in experience and needs mm -hmm. for first gen and not first gen. Yeah. You know? well, said, well said. It's, maybe that is that is that something else we so was Sahir all uh first gen and are you first gen I'm first gen yeah uh, I don't know I get a sense that she may not be yeah I think that they have I don't know to what extent their education you know goes but I think they're both college educated I want to say but you know that's again I don't want to put words into her mouth or you know assume yeah you know, I don't want to make any assumptions but that's the sense I get um but I'm not sure yeah yeah I, I it's so I love nowness because I wasn't I wasn't like anticipating that we were going to gear the conversation to I guess education mm. um but I'm also like to your point. I'm very aware. Um, well, because I was sharing 
so say then I didn't know about my Vietnamese identity. Right. Identity. And it was that summer going off to college that I found out. Mm. Um, and it was only X amount of information that my parents had about my past. Mm. Um, but when I turned 18, I could open up the, I guess, California um, court documents as so-called an adult. Mm. I privy, privy to the previously closed information. Mm. And I remember reading that and I don't know anything about who the biological father is. But in those social record documents, it says that my biological mother was a farmer and she, I don't think she even had a high school education, mm. let alone, I don't think junior high either. So she came from a poor family background. And so if I had grown up, you know, with her, I would have been first gen. Mm. And I've been cognizant about that. Mm. And then the other thing that I was very cognizant about was like within like the the friends that I gravitated towards in college mm. were, were so-called the BIPOC community. Mm. And I also went to a institution which was quite liberal and mm. had a lot of openness to diversity. Um, it was actually, I think it's still known. I'm not sure if it's like been a little washed today. <laughs> Hopefully not. Mm. It was an opportunity for people of color to really have a, you know, higher education. Mm. Northeast. Mm. Um, and I remember just many of them, like none of them were privileged like me. Like they, most of them were on financial aid and they were first generation and but they all grew because I guess like New York City, um, there were a lot of kids from New York City who grew up through the kind of low income neighborhood public school system. Mm. But what's amazing about these districts mm. and some of the states that we have in the U.S. is that they have these low income programs mm. where if you actually excel within those um, programs, like I, I think a lot of them is like, yeah, like state funded through that district mm -hmm. had an opportunity. It was like gaining like full scholarship right, to, to go get a private school education um, that was covered. And then you had the opportunity to, you know, go to college and mm. heavy stipend. So like, that's amazing, you know? Hmm. Those are the opportunities that you don't hear of, I'm sure, in other countries. Hmm. And I guess, and I guess, if we're talking about the United States, other states, like you don't hear, like I think those opportunities are specifically these grassroots programs hmm. that is identified by you know parents and educators and what have you. So, yes, yeah, we must. I'm glad you raised it and recognized it. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, being involved in diversity, equity, inclusion, the diversity committee at my former organization really opened my eyes to all of this that I was naively um, unaware or only aware on the periphery when I felt compelled to watch a documentary or something like that. But my life was not centered on thinking about those things and that's a privilege right that 
I didn't experience racism so overtly that I had to face it every day and live with it with that awareness. Um, so feel like now that with that um, opportunity and learning, you know, it's not something that I can turn off anymore. Like I always have that um, lens. And I think it's really important, especially as API women to, you know, bring it up and talk about it in our conversation. Right. So I was going to address, yeah, like, so DEI is what we're both passionate about um, because it's just, it's not, it's like a ongoing, it's, it's the fabric of who we are. Hmm. It's fabric. It, it's, it's what we're going to continue to live, live with hmm. and live by. And we should, and we have the opportunity to do that here in the US. So um yeah, so my comment, I was gonna follow up on my comment on um Asians are not a monolith. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and and my I why did I st- <laughs> and I said hey, it's not like I'm very like I'm not, you know, I'm words and what have you have always they, they're not my strengths. So the choice of words <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not eloquent. I'm not a poet <laughs> like you. Um, and so I said lame, but so I had to like look up, okay, why, what the, like, do I, yeah. So the definition of lame, there's a couple of lames, but um, this, I thought this, this um, definition of it was good. It's, it means oh, of something intended to be entertaining. Well, I guess you could read into that. I wasn't, I didn't say it for entertainment, but um, mm. it generally means uninspiring and dull. Mm. Um, and wish the example is I found the program pretty lame and not very informative mm. <laughs> is what I mean. So through the, I guess, through diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is like a, a, a word of today mm. in the past five years, I feel like. Um, is that I've learned in so many, it's just our cultures and languages are so diverse and who we are. We, every single one of us, you know, it, we're a fingerprint of just like, there's no fingerprint. That's the, that's, we're unique in, in our individualism. So how you know, so-called corporate cultures where they, if those are, there's the, the bleh, company cultures that invest in mm. learning more about DEI, it's still lame <laughs> in the sense that there's only a few buckets because obviously you have to compartmentalize groups. Mm. It makes sense in the, you know, in the business setting because you do have to keep it organized um mm. but within that right each company has its own culture because each company has its own mission mm. you know for profit non-profit right that too is there's a humongous difference mm. and so it, it's it's quite a complex field or area you know especially when you have to report um 
you know, data to show that the organization is being successful in implementing or, you know, whether it could be policies on one end or it could be, you know, employee retention on the other. Um, and it's just so vast and mm. colorful. So I guess one of the things if I had to, if I were, because it interests me, um, if I were to be in a, in a job that I could influence or impact and learn from in the DEI area, Mm. that I think about these, you know, ERGs, employee research groups or affinity groups, or I think affinity is also lame. <laughs> so I, I like, you know, resource group is it's just so. Anyway, it's like, I wish I, I had a solution and, and I would if there were contexts, but that was like the best choice of word that I could use because it's so complex that. I think there are still people who see it as, oh, yeah, let's just bucket everybody into the Latinx community. Mm. Latinx community is as diverse, you know, just like the AAPI community. And I'm sure just how we get like, oh, you look Chinese or do you speak Chinese or whatever. Mm. Like the same similar narrative in the Latinx community or Hispanic community where it's like, oh, where are you? Like, are you Mexican? Right, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's just like that's what I was trying to address. <laughs> yeah, I think there are limitations, or there has to be nuance, and I think corporations are terrible at new or just ge I don't want to generalize, but oftentimes institutions do not spend time and invest into unpacking the nuance they're just like trying to i don't know it's all about time and moving forward and you know acknowledging to a certain extent what we're trying to achieve but not holistically um but i mean you know being participating in the civic leadership program specifically for API and Latinx um, and LGBTQIA plus communities, you know, we recently had a um, session and readings on Asian American history. And I, I hear what you're saying, of course, what we're trying to say is that Asian American is a category, but within that category, we are not a monolith because so many different cultures and languages are represented. Um, but I think from for me, learning the impetus of solidarity and strength in numbers, and I mean, I don't know when it was, but sometimes in it, I think it was Berkeley at Berkeley and like college-led activism um, to come together as a community to fight for our rights, right? So I think. I think there's pros and cons. There's unfortunately limitations in terms of advocating each of our individual needs within the community. And because we're so few in numbers that we can, by coming together and um, standing in solidarity, not just with AAPI, but Latinx and the 
um, black community, you know, then we can amplify. So I think for me learning, okay, the understanding the purpose of community building, right? And how we can collectively work together towards a common goal versus I think when we get so attached to our individual goals and outcomes and things like that, we get kind of um, blind to and, and lose power. Because what we're only a, a certain percentage of the population. And I think I'm always surprised to learn or relearn and acknowledge like because I'm, you know, my norm or what I fall back on is like being in Japan and that was, you know, whether you were Japanese for me, Korean, like that was the dominant. And so it, it's really hard to um, like uh, understand that, okay, in this country, percentage of us. I can't remember what the percentage is. I need to look it up. But it's not, it's like, I'm always surprised by the Asian American population, the percentage of it in the States. So I'm going to look it up. <laughs> 10? No more than 10. 10 is max. Hmm. Is my guess as you look it up. <laughs> okay, I'm having problems with my laptop, so I got to. Sorry, but go ahead. That's that. I just thought to note that that I mean I'm still learning too. But let's see. I'm doing a quick ID divided by three hundred six six percent six percent. Did I do that? If there's three hundred, I just just did a whole blanket. It, it um three hundred million is what I give you U.S. population. Mm. There's sixteen. Point seven, so 16 million so I just did 16 divided by 300 so yes less than 10 percent yeah that's wow, 5.7 <laughs> in 2019 so I'm sure that has yeah exactly it's six six percent which is just so that's a great call out because if you live where I am <laughs> it's like 40 <40%. laughs> percent or actually more I told you I live in the uh, majority minority minority majority <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> no i love how you're you're in the civic leadership programs um excuse me program and mm. um and especially you know working with the intersectional groups and it's great i'm sure you add such a yeah are you the only I, okay, I gotta get my terms right. You're not, are you the only first gen or you're not even first gen, you're like half gen. <laughs> uh, here. <laughs> I mean, I am first gen, right? I, I guess terminology, like I assume I know, but I, if I was asked to uh, define it, I don't know if I could, but I'm assuming I'm first gen, half gen. What, 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 what made you question whether I was first gen I'm just curious because you weren't born here like me if you're would be... but if you're born here Mina would be second gen right? 
Yeah. Oh, see, I gotta. First gen, I think, is the immigrant family who enters. Ah. The... Also, eh? No, but I'm, but I'm first. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I... I'm now curious to know what the San Mateo County population is. Um. I mean, in terms of percentage of AAPI representation, because, yeah, like you like you just noted that it may be in the U.S. 7%, which always I find astounding, like uh, how low the percentage is, but that may not reflect where I live. Nah. Okay, so I'll, I'll look that up later. <laughs> So I'm pivoting our conversation to the amazing article that you made me aware of, which was the conversation with Viola Davis, Viola, excuse me, mm. but, and Stacey Abrams. Mm. That was such an amazing article. I don't, I don't read all the articles that you send me, obviously. <laughs> can't tell because I, I, it's, yeah, it's like, because there are certain, I guess, yeah, because there's just, you know, media and resources and all of that you have to choose pick and choose but yes I, we have yeah. limited time <laughs> <laughs> i know but i love uh stacy abrams mm. especially because i feel an, a strong affinity because i did live in the state of georgia um atlanta for six years right um it's interesting too. That's the thing. It's like I, I guess, I mean, I moved there because of my job, mm. but an amazing job opportunity, a dream opportunity. But mm. I'm so excited, and maybe it's because of that, and also maybe not knowing too much about the history. I mean, mm. I know like the you know big ones, obviously, but. Um, you know, I think it's a healthy, it's a healthy thing to go with a blank slate. Mm. And maybe it was different for me because Atlanta is different, which is the same. I've lived now in the Northeast, the Southeast, and then here, but I'm always in the city, right? Mm. When you're in the city, you're in a bubble. Mm. Um, versus like, I'm sure if you get in, even in like California, if you get into the outskirts, there might be it would be less diverse of an opinion oh yeah oh yeah okay yeah so like so atlanta was the same and and like it was a hub of right like major corporations like coca-cola and ups and home depot you know having mm. their hub so then that brings in you know global talent mm. and the people who live there are you know are um expats or immigrants or transient transient and so it was unique it was in a bubble um but for those reasons i had an amazing time mm. and i got to meet my husband who was born and raised in georgia mm. <laughs> and like got to experience all the beauty and the glory of um you know, the human nature and everybody's so pleasant and says hi. And so, okay. So for those reasons, like the fact, and, but it is a very Republican state. 
and mm. have Stacey Abrams just change the color mm. literally and figuratively through her grassroots efforts mm. um, is amazing. So I really love the article of um, like, what is your impression? And you didn't live in Georgia. So <laughs> what, how did you come to know Stacey Abrams? Um, well, I think I was aware of her presence, just hearing about, you know, her race, how close it was as mayor, is it? Governor. I, Governor, sorry. <laughs> this is my, um, yeah, I'm not versed in politics, especially when, yeah, so this is fairly all new to me to, like, get, you know, quote-unquote involved in the sense of just at least being aware of what's going on. Um, and then just seeing her presence in interviews, and, I mean, she's, such a powerful speaker and yeah. And then I know I bookmarked that article from last year, 2021, um, February, I think around the award seasons. And then I happened to just stumble upon it because I have like 120 tabs open on my cell phone. <laughs> um, and I, uh, yeah, it's crazy, but, um, it is what it is. It's okay. No judgment. Um, and then I stumbled upon it and I was like, oh my gosh, I meant to watch this or read this and was so captivated by both their energies and voices and um, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Viola Davis, did you, did you re watch any of her shows or like how nanake how to um how to make a murder janakte um how to make a murder that's it's her famous netflix role mm i have i think i maybe watched her the pilot but i never i haven't watched that series oh um Moraini, yeah that i wa we watched um and other films that oh the one with Denzel Washington fence or fences, um. She was amazing in that. Um, so I've been following her. I mean, I you know she's such a incredible actress performer. Um, yeah, I can't. I'm trying to think what was the first film I. Right, like started to notice her like I can't remember what that first film was I I know she was in The Help but I never I've never watched that film oh so mm, mm. I know yeah, yeah no, it's fine it's fine there's there's so many yeah so that's amazing how yeah your 2021 article <laughs> I mean I guess for our listeners it's um she's up for both of them are up for Academy Award right mm. Last year, no? Mm. Oh, it was last year? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it's like a year. Dang. A year. Oh, yes. so where are the... Oh, it's not the... current, sorry. Oh, yes. I... But it's still relevant, right? <laughs> like, it's very relevant. 
basically for our listeners, the, state, the documentary is called Suppressed 2020, The Fight to Vote. Um, but, hmm? or is That's it? That's Stacey Abrams? Just kidding. Is it not? All in. <laughs> fight for democracy. This is all in. <laughs> the fight for de- the fight for democracy, which is available on I think it's Amazon. Yeah, you it's know? streaming on Prime. It is streaming on Prime. So I know Amazon gets a lot of slack because um because yeah, it's like the largest like you know for-profit company. But I have to give kudos to um Prime Video because they're going right after netflix on being able to showcase films like this Mm. um so good job amazon video (laughs) prime excuse me um what was i gonna say sorry so the film addresses it goes back into the founding of uh you know the writing of the constitution Mm. And that it was, it wasn't even a race ticket. It was about exclusion. Mm. The voting system was created for exclusion. Mm. And it wasn't, even the white men excluded other white men, Mm. um, you know, when they, when they created this. Right. Oh, that was like the fascinating, not, not to give you any spoilers or anything, but it goes deep. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And James Baldwin, I have to, James, did, did I, is, is that yes. correct? Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm he, not your Negro, no? I am not your That's ne- streaming on Netflix. Oh, man. Did you watch that one? Yes. I've seen it multiple times because, you know, just watching it once, there's yeah. too much good goodness and insight and just like mind blowing uh um yeah sharp sharp insights into american consciousness i mean of course i mean we we you and i both we can have empathy and compassion for um the experience of black people in this country but you know like it just brings it to the forefront when somebody like james baldwin can really um, not not with cruelty, but with clarity, he can really name name things. I don't know. I just I was just blown away by his ability to, yeah, create and translate his experience into something that resonates to anyone who's reading and listening. Totally. I mean, uh, but I, I yes, but I also it's the director who yes, yes, yeah, Kirk mm. did that, and you know what I found for me is unlike you is like I don't like as yeah, like I'm a visual person, mm-hmm. a visual person, like versus you know how like to you like poetry comes easy, like your you use words as your medium. Right. So, and I don't like, I'm all, I've always been um, visual. That's why I like the drawing and the painting and yada, yada. Mm. But I thought that the director and how this film was like, it was such a beautiful way to bring, you know, James Baldwin's words and thoughts and visually, 
mm. as well. Yes. So that helped me like absorb and digest. Mm. So I, I think your insights are just like spot on. Do you remember, like when you say sharp insights, what are some of the things that stand out to you from the film? Um, if you remember, like I, I just watched it. <laughs> no, I watched it recently too. And I okay. even have some quotes that I like, I, I need to read his words, you know, so I borrowed his book from the library that I so I can read it. But before I could do that, I was just like adamant about what writing or transcribing the parts that really resonated. But even before I go there, for me, I think to your point, visually, what I really appreciated was bringing, you know, the past of the passing of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X and Edgar Evans to the present and how we're still living in the same crises of racism and violence and, you know, militarism and capitalism, all the three evils, I guess, that Martin Luther King talked about, but visually, you know, seeing it manifest in the news, you know, footage and, the lives of our fellow citizens, it's just so powerful. It's not, it's, it no longer becomes this abstract thing that you're reading and really like connect to his concepts or anything, right? Like it really becomes visceral to your point, the images. Mm -hmm. So like two, two things really just stuck out for me. Mm. was him addressing James Baldwin addressing um the hypocrisy of Christianity mm. at uh it's so true even to this day as you're saying right nothing's pretty much changed is like mm -hmm. community there is a black church and there is a white church mm. and they don't come together yeah oh my gosh that's so poignant <laughs> Mm. because we i live it right and mm. as an asian christian you know it's e even in my city where there's a lot of asians there's like a chinese church there's mm. a japanese church and there's a korean church like mm. they don't come together so i just thought that was really interesting and of course james baldwin is pointing it out like 50 years ago <laughs> years ago and then, so that's like my takeaway on why and like if we really need to transform, you know, the church community, mm. I mean, it's just like, I mean, you know, there needs to be more integration. Yeah. So that was my takeaway. And then, um, yeah, the other one was where he's a guest speaker, where James was yes. speaker on like this white talk show host, like white talk show. Mm hmm. I, white talk show doesn't sound good. I mean, it's just like any talk show. And I'm like, it's like him being on like Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel is a gym, not Jimmy Kimmel, but um, or any of those like evening talk yes. shows. Mm -hmm. And they're addressing, I'm like, wow, they're talking about, you know, current events and race and what have you. Mm. And I feel like we've actually become weak in that sense today. 
because we don't do it out in prime time right yeah it's cable become becomes more cable yeah I guess, right yeah. or like in like twitter or you know where people aren't are afraid to express their opinions and so it's like behind closed doors which is like social media today so i just thought it was amazing like even in that so-called conservative time Mm. um like he was invited to be a guest and speak the truth Mm. and like his like his his like banter back not banter is not the right word like his like viewpoint was like well you know you weren't you didn't grow up in this city where you know my friends were killed and uh da 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 and he just went like point after point after point yeah and you just like there was like nothing to say like basically it was a fact he was pointing out the facts mm-hmm. and was like how dare you you know you know just raise this issue because this is the fact that i see and i think i'm sharing that because like what you just said like yeah, we, we're not, you didn't say this, but we're not black. And so our reality is so different being, you know, Asian. Um, and even being Asian, we can't speak to, like, I can't speak to the Korean community. Mm. Um, I can't speak to the Vietnamese community. Mm. Those are not my, but um, anyway, so I just want to thank you for 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 bringing that article the raising those films and they are so powerful i attest that they are so powerful and and, um encourage our listeners also to watch the amazing jewels that have been created yeah i'm just astounded right like so i have some quotes here that there's too many so i will choose the the final quote i think the that the documentary ends on really i think still resonates with me and i'm still trying to stay with it and live with it and really unpack and um unpack what this means for me but he says i can't be a pe- pessimist because i'm alive To be a pessimist means that you have agreed that human life is an academic matter, so I'm forced to be an optimist. I'm forced to believe that we can survive and whatever we must survive. But the Negro in this country, the future of the Negro in this country is precisely as bright or as dark as the future of this country. It is entirely up to the American people and our representatives. It is entirely up to the American people whether or not they are going to face and deal with and embrace the stranger they have maligned so long. What white people have to do is to try and find out in their own hearts why it was necessary for them to have a, and this is the N-word he uses that I don't feel comfortable using, so the N-word in the first place, because I am not a nigger, I am a man, but if you, you think I am a nigger, it means you need him. This is James Baldwin's words. (laughs) The question you've got to ask yourself, the white population of this country has got to ask itself north and south because it's one country. And for the Negro, there is no difference between the north and south. It's just a difference in the way they castrate you. But the fact of the castration is American fact. 
if I'm not the nigger here and if you invented him, you, the white people, invented him, then you've got to find out why. And the future of this country depends on that, whether or not it's able to ask that question. And the one thing also that comes for me as I'm as I watch this um, documentary too, and as I learned through DEI and history and how you know, oftentimes the racial issues are discussed in white and black terms, and that you know, of course our experience is not the same. I'm not saying that, but we're just even invisible in the discussion of race and racism in this country, I think. Um, and so to be part of the conversation and to, again, stand in solidarity with the Black and Latinx communities, I think for me, that's like, I want to ask myself the question, like, how do I do that? What is my role in community building and yeah, coalition building, I guess. Amen. <laughs> well said. So, you know what I, um, so James Baldwin, unfortunately, uh, I was not aware of him until mm. you, like now I am, I'm just being vulnerable. I'm mm. <laughs> and transparent that I didn't, I was like, who's, who's James Baldwin? Um, but I'm like, there's the truth in my right in my 45 years, I didn't come across him. Um, mm. and, but now that you've brought awareness to him, like he's right up there, um, as a, just very uh i'm just touched right i'm moved mm. but do you remember so where my do you remember we read um invisible man yes ralph ellison yes like are they considered contemporaries he and james baldwin i actually don't know when ralph ellison wrote that book Fifty-two. So, so they must in the same or similar era, right? Like I think. Um, and then James Baldwin. It, it seems like Notes of a Native Son is is a is the a very acclaimed. I mean, or mm -hmm. would you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was written three years later hmm. than Invisible Man. I see. So I just thought it was just in fascinating, um, I guess, because, yeah, I didn't learn about, uh, but, okay, so, but I raised Invisible Man because I still remember we were in junior high when we read that book. Um, really? I thought it was high school. Okay, early Maybe high Maybe ninth, ninth grade? Because you went into... Yeah, you went into the upper upper English class. It's kind of It's like, so funny you say that. Right? Like I I'm like what I mean like No, is, are you talking about 10th grade? I don't know. But there Yeah, cuz IB was 11 12 and I wasn't in IB high, so 
okay. English. So it's so yeah. funny you say that because it's seared in your experience, my experience. And, you know, I talk about this with Tim too, and he kind of laughs about it because it's like, why is it upper, lower? It's it's just like there's other language, but it's seared in our, our experience because that's the language the school used. But anyhow, I wasn't even supposed to be in that class. I happened to linger in the classroom. Uh, chatting with our classmates and you know how Seisen was. And so, you know, I was gonna get ready to go to the lower English class. And, but it was, he, <laughs> basically he was like, if you wanna stay in this class, you can. I'm like, what? Cause right as a student, we were never given the opportunity to choose the class, especially for English, like uh, higher and lower, whatever language we used, it was definitely, right, distinguished between like those who were smarter than us. And, or do you, are you following what I'm trying to say? I am. I'm kind of, this is where, this is where the anger comes in. I, this is where the anger came in with Sahira's conversation, because you know how like we're like, you know, trying to figure out what ticks us. Yeah. We can recognize it hmm. and learn and then try to. <laughs> anyway, so the digestion for me is it doesn't, don't get me wrong. Uh, like, yeah, I wanted to talk about Ralph Ellison and Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and how, you know, it was so impactful and powerful. Mm. Yeah, my mind just went into this really, really poor experience that I had of not belonging again, not mm. being excluded. And I hope that they've changed the language today. I hope not in 2022, they're calling it upper English and lower English or upper maths and lower maths. Like, what the heck? Yeah. You know. I, I like, I don't, I mean, unless an organized institution like Seisen has, <laughs> I don't know if they have a DI person, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if the, if, yeah, I, I, my guess would be it probably is the same. <laughs> I don't think it probably have changed. Really? And I would be really pleasantly surprised if they, their awareness, um, yeah. Oh, gosh. So. Yes. So not to go off on it. Oh, but it's so it's yes. It's thank you that I'm not the only one. I'm not gaslighted into think that I'm crazy, but that is a common experience and no one appreciates being excluded and labeled as um less than. That's our experience, right? Yes. Yeah. So the reason why but Ralph Allison, yes, back to Invisible <laughs> Man. Because, like, that's the thing. You don't get to choose, which I make absolute sense. But that's also part of the narrative of, you know, now that you're in the States and now you're a mom and you're a parent and you're especially married to a teacher is, like, there, too, is, like, that not a... It's almost, yeah, like, there's only X amount of time and so you do have to choose the pertinent things, but those choices are made by, you know, whomever. So, but I just, you know, going back to Invisible Man, somehow I feel like we were still in the same class. 
Mm. And we shared the same sentiment of like a lot of the books that we were reading were like, eh. Although now that I think about it, I think it was Miss Rogers mm. class. Yes. In which we read Invisible Man. And it just was, I almost, I would like to read it again because it was many years ago. But mm. I, I've reread it. It's really good. What resonated? I don't know. Was it an identity? It was it an identity that I think, I mean, back then in ninth grade, I didn't understand why it resonated so much. Mm -hmm. There are, I mean, especially for me, right? I didn't like to read back then. It's so ironic and funny. And people who know me now probably can't even imagine that me back then that I never read. I didn't grow around. I didn't grow up around books. My parents didn't read. I didn't, we didn't have a bookshelf. Like that's my reality, right? And so the books that I was able to get through, Invisible Man was one of them. Like there were so many books that were, were assigned that I never read, right? You, Sahira, you all know that. <laughs> um, I, uh, what is it? Um, yeah, I, I got away with a lot of not reading the books that I was supposed to. Um, but that one, for whatever reason, and now I can understand it's based because I think that um, experience of otherness, um, probably, I don't think I made the connection, oh, me as a third generation Korean, I didn't connect the dots, but that story and book like really resonated. And I even have this um, discussion in my memory. We talked about the scene of, I think the main character, uh, I can't recall his name, but, and the scene involves a can of paint and it's white paint. And there's like dots of black that gets just like disappears into the white. And anyway, I mean, I, I, I was blown away by our class discussion on that thanks to Miss Rogers in our class and it's like stuck with me yeah that's amazing I I don't remember that scene but as you portrayed it right now like that's a powerful visual because I'm a visual person um yeah mm. it's not like to I mean anyway Invisible Man and then the other book that comes to mind is Anno House of Spirits Isabel Allende I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> How do you know that I was going to say that? Because I, you, I still remembered that you loved that book. Mm -hmm. And it like seared in my memory, I think, that you loved it so much. But I don't think I appreciated it as much. I don't even know if I read the whole thing. Like something, there was a difference between like finding Invisible Man and that work so compelling that I couldn't put it down. Mm -hmm. And this other thing, House of Spirits, that yeah, didn't grab me like it did. Mm -mm. The mm. other story. Yeah. But I do remember you loving it. All I remember is like an intergenerational 
intergenerational. I can't even tell you. I think it was, I don't know if it was Spain or which country the backdrop is. <laughs> mm. Um, but it was like coming to age with, I think it was also, yeah, family and cult. Anyway. Um, yeah, you'll have to reread those two pieces. Clearly exactly. resonated with you then. It'll be interesting to see how you react and now, huh? So, yeah, like, so did you read Notes of a Native Son? Um, not in its entirety. I have his book and I haven't. Um, probably excerpts of it, but not the whole thing. I guess I'm just trying to have like, this is so, okay, lame. <laughs> is um, what, considering that he wrote so many books, mm. uh, uh, James Baldwin wrote many, like what would the equivalence be? Like if there's a biographical autobiographical and now something analogous to invisible man which one would it be and that's where because i'm not going to read all of his books oh i don't know enough um but i know notes note the native son one is it notes anna what is the title of a notes of a native son i think the other one that comes up is fire next time oh yep i think those two are you know what i think he's most known for got it okay Mm. but it's interesting though like i think you know especially since participating in the diversity committee and like really realizing what it means It's not just about theory. It's about how diverse, like, look around you, right? Are you, I mean, I think that's the beauty of Seisen community. Like, I don't think I've ever been in a more diverse environment since then. Yeah. And the United States, unfortunately, (laughs) as far as, I mean, we want to celebrate the progress we've made, but in terms of, we're more I feel we're so segregated. There's not real lived integration, like you were saying, like the churches are segregated by race, you know, our schools, you know, I mean, we go to a public school, but still, yeah, it's segregated. I don't know how things are mapped out and stuff, but it's different for sure, and so, um asking ourselves the question like what we're reading and outlets and you know are they diverse even like the doctors that you go see you know it can't just be in one area to celebrate diversity it has to be like how are we showing up and advocating for DEI not just at this workplace thing that happens right like not not just for this month for African history month like like all the time this is what needs to happen um so i just wanted to note that how it's interesting that like even within literature like ralph ellison okay james baldwin like but when do we get to you know i think it's equally important to raise i mean toni morrison i know she's celebrated 
I actually have not read any of her novels. It feels a little intimidating because I know it's hard. Her work is hard. Um, but Audre Lorde is a essayist that I love her work. Um, Bell Hooks is another person that I've recently come across that like. So not just male black writers like female and like just and then when I asked myself well Isabel Allende I guess that's Latinx but like I don't know how many Latinx writers I've read um and that goes if for you visually like films are we watching diverse films um just to pose the question yeah I'm I yeah Ano, speaking of ano, Asian writers, I was mm. at you because there's a young one who who just came out. Um, have you heard of Crying in H Mart? Yes. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but yes, it's um, it's on my yeah to read list. That seems like a really <laughs> good one. Yeah, well, she was featured on my favorite um, TV show, Sunday Morning News, um, mm. when she was featured. And, like, I remember, speaking of, like, moving to Atlanta, mm. uh, but I could always I could always seek those Asian communities out wherever I am. <laughs> mm. Comfort to me. Um, but it was H-Mart, indeed, uh, the Korean super chain. Mm. and they have it's amazing they have apparently they have like 300 chains in the in the u.s it's so huge wow yeah that's a story to be told there you know mm. but anyway i just thought it was um i was thinking about you you gonna read it or listen to it um, in my Speaking of listen to it, I know. Maybe. We'll see. I think you'll get to it more than I have. But um, the fact that she's now in my conscience mm. <laughs> as a writer, artist. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. So. What you making? Mm, I made uh, marble tofu which is um, a tofu and ground pork dish. Um, it's Chinese in origin, but Japanese folks make it too, right? Um, yep. So I made that yes last night, so I think we'll do a repeat dinner of mabodofu tonight. You made the sauce from scratch? Yes. How, how'd you make it? Um, so the sauce is, uh, chuka soup, right? I, it's not chicken broth. I don't know how to, how would you translate that to English? It is. Yeah. Chicken broth is dry chicken broth. Yeah. 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 Mm, but it's chuka fu, So I, I feel like it's not the same, but it's, anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Chukafu>. <laughs> <laughs> well that goes back to my like 
sorry they're just like my i'm not cynical or anything but like chukohu is like yeah chinese style translates to chinese style which is like silly because the chinese cuisine is so diverse <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay so mm. if you can find the chukadashi right so i happen to have that so i use that to make the broth so chicken broth and then um, this recipe puts in sake, soy sauce, and sugar, a little bit of sugar, and miso. Ah, hey, miso nanda. And then, you know, that's for Mina's base. And then for us, uh, is it tobanjang? Tobanjang mm-hmm. is the spice. Um, I make two, sep- two different tofu so that we can have one with the tobanjang that you um, saute the garlic and ginger with the tobanjang and Mina doesn't so yeah spicy and non-spicy did you use akamiso or shiro miso mm, shiro uh, do you have always have both in your fridge I always have both oh you're a chef man no it's always miso soup is kongo i always do like i mean it's like one to one yeah oh you use both i think most of mine is shiro but the late last one current one i bought is looks a little darker than white so i don't know if it's maybe already mixed i wonder hmm yeah, but mabo tofu is yeah, Sichuan. Sichuan base, so that's why that spice comes in. Mm. And for that recipe, it makes sense because to use shiro miso because I guess like all the other ingredients will, it won't, like the miso won't overpower um, the rest of the but tobanjang fermented, tobanjang is fermented broad bean and chili paste. What's broad bean? Um, is that like mung bean? Is it like moyashi mitaina kanji? No bean? I don't know. Bigger bean. Hmm. Mm. The English translations. Sorry, I'm just. Um, yeah, it looks like. Are? Gomet. Broad bean. A broad bean is. it. I googled it and it comes up as a the. The fa- almost like the fava bean looking thing. Mm. So, yeah. I see. Okay. Anyway. Hmm. What are you making? Walnut. I have no idea. Um, all I know is that I'm toasting croissant. <laughs> <laughs> to have for my breakfast slash brunch. Mm. So good. Mm. Sounds good. We went long today. We did. Okay. We had so much. Yeah. Hi. (laughs) Lots came up for us. Yes. Fascinating. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Have a beautiful day, my dear. Yes. Have a lovely beginning of February. Happy. Lunar New Year. You too. Mm.
Love you. Love you.